0: Done for us in your prayers. Uh, Turn to Exodus 15, if you would, Exodus chapter 15. And uh, we thank the Lord for you all. We pray for you daily. Exodus chapter 15 is, we're going to start at verse 22 and read down through verse 26. And I want to deal with the subject of the tree cast into the waters. The tree cast into the waters. And... Just want to refresh real quick. God had just brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And He had done so with a mighty hand. And He had manifested His saving power And now they were journeying toward the land of Canaan. And we find here that they had gone into the wilderness. And let's just read, God puts it better than me, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, "'What shall we drink?' And he, that's Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, not a statue, but a statute, a law, and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now I want to notice, as you saw there in verse 25, and we'll get to it, but... I want you to notice a few things here in the offset of the message. Verse 22, it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And I want you to notice, first of all, that it was not Moses alone who did this. This undertaking was not the thought of Moses. It wasn't Moses' idea to go into Israel or Egypt and and go to Pharaoh and all the things that took place. It was the Lord's. I want you to look, if you would, in chapter 13, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 and 22, and I want you to read here that Moses was merely following the Lord. Now the Bible tells us in Exodus 13.21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. So, they all could see this pillar, this pillar of a cloud and pillar of fire. They could all see. And they could see the way in which God was going. It says there in verse 21, to lead them the way. Not a way, but the way. So, the Lord is leading them in a specific way, and we read in chapter 15 that Moses brought them that way. Now look in chapter 14, verse 19. Exodus 14, verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel... Removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Verse 20 And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Then verse 24. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. So the cloud and the, uh, the pillar of fire and of the cloud, it wasn't the Lord. But he manifested how he was leading with it. And we read all that to show that Moses was following the leadership of the Lord. You see, it wasn't Moses alone who said, well, let's go this way. We'll just go three days into the wilderness this way. They could see the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire leading them. And Moses often in Scripture is a type of Christ I believe here that he is indicative, representative of a shepherd. I believe he pictures here an under-shepherd, a pastor of the Lord's church. And you see him, he's following the leadership of the Lord. Now if you would, I'd like you to turn over to... Psalm 23, and you might put your thumb there, we'll come back to it a little later. But Psalm number 23, in in the Spanish Bibles, there's no difference between pastor and shepherd. It's the same word. For us in our English Bibles, we we have different words. But to them, it's one and the same. And you see here in Psalm 23, I want to show you this, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 3, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness For his name's sake. That's the work of a shepherd. That's the work of a pastor. To lead. That's what they do. And they lead by following, particularly an under-shepherd, he leads by following the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we have here with Moses is he's leading the people or he brought Israel and he does so by what? following the Lord in the pillar of fire or in the pillar of cloud. Look over in Jeremiah 3. Book of Jeremiah chapter 3. I want to read here verse 15. Familiar scripture? <clears throat> Jeremiah 3.15, it says, And I will give you pastors, or shepherds. Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And somebody once ignorantly asked the question, where does it say that pastors are to lead? Well, it's in the name. That's what it means. It means shepherd. What do shepherds do? They lead. Shepherds don't drive sheep. They're not cattle ranchers. You lead sheep. Amen. And so this is the work of the pastor in the Lord's church. He's following the leadership of the Lord according to the Word of God. And we have, as, as the New Testament puts it, we have a more sure word of prophecy. See, you and I have the whole revelation of God's Word. They had a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. We have the whole Word of God. And so, we can more easily see and tell whether or not we're being led according to the word of God, then Israel. Because we've got the whole Bible. Amen. Look over to Exodus chapter 15, our text. again, I want to show you this. Exodus 15 and I want to read here, verse 22 again. And then we're going to read a couple other pastor scriptures. And I want you to notice verse 22. So, Exodus 15, 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. But where would they go? They went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went, how far they go? They went three days in the wilderness. Found no water. I want you to turn back to Exodus 5. Exodus chapter 5 and I want to note verse 3. Exodus 5 and verse 3. And they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Here, here's Aaron and Moses before Pharaoh. And remember the You know, they go and say, oh, let let the Israelites go and Pharaoh. You know, who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? Verse 3, and they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days. See, that wasn't an arbitrary number Moses came up with, was it? Three days journey into the desert or wilderness and sacrifice son of the lord our god what were they going to do they're going to worship him that's what sacrifice has to do with lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword now look over to chapter 8 verse 27 Exodus 8 verse 27 Uh, let's read verse 20, start at verse 25. Again, here we find Pharaoh. He, he has refused and refused and refused. And now Pharaoh comes to Moses and he says, I'll tell you what, instead of th- what God said, how about this? And notice verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. Moses said, it is not meet or fit so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice the Lord our God as He shall command us. So we find here that Moses, as in chapter 15, as he brings him out three days' journey into the wilderness, this was, this was not happenstance. This was not Moses, you know, well, this way looks good, or, or you know what, when I was uh, wandering for 40 years, after I'd killed that Egyptian, uh, I, I remember that if we go this way, it'll be good. No, this was at the direction and leadership of the Lord. And how do we know? Well, the Word of God tells us. Now I want you to observe here that the Lord led them to Mara. Not all... Let me back up. Let's look at verse 23. It says, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. So verse 22, they go to a place, there's no water. So then they go to the next place, and it's bitter. They found water, but it's bitter. They can't drink it. You know, imagine, and 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 just uh, uh, I know in different places here, people are on well water and it's it's so sulfury that you know you turn it on and and it just the whole house just smells like rotten eggs, and you know they got to get the treatment. You know things put in and and. And so there's lots of things like that. But imagine you get to a place and it's so... It's just off. You can't drink it. I mean, kind of a tease, isn't it? And the Bible tells us in verse 24, And the people murmured against Moses. It's a, it's a shame that they murmured against Moses. And I don't say this because I'm a pastor. I say this because of the authority of God's Word. That if your pastor is leading, maybe not the way you think he ought to lead, but in agreement with the Word of God, you better be careful. Amen. And they murmured against Moses. Look over to the 105th Psalm. Now, who was Moses? Was he not God's chosen leader? You know, they're going to see a little later. There were some who murmured again. And, and for those in positions of leadership, whether it's secularly, whether it's, it's uh, uh, in the pulpit, uh, whether it's in a family, you're going to have people murmuring against your leadership. Kids are going to murmur against moms and dads. That's the way it is. Workers are going to murmur against owners. That's the way it is. I mean, I've got... We grew up there, and up in, in Michigan, you know, the birthplace of, the, I think, the first auto worker strike. I'm surprised they didn't kill each other. I mean, they couldn't stand one another. Even if they did what they wanted them to, they still couldn't stand them. Well, I want you to observe here in the 105th Psalm, verse 15... David, you remember David when God had already said he was going to be king? And you had, you had uh, uh, King Saul, and David had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to kill him and take the throne. Do you remember what David did? He didn't do it. Remember what he said? Psalm 105 verse 15 saying, Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets, no harm. Don't touch them. Don't do them any harm. Instead, if you look over into first Thessalonians chapter five, first Thessalonians chapter five verse 12 and 13. We find here that the Scriptures tell us what we ought to do for those who are leading us. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 We beseech your brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. That word to know, to know uh, uh, them, it's, it's to know what they have need of. And, and and y'all have asked me brothers is there anything we could do for you and I'll be honest with you right now I, I I don't know I don't I don't know what to say yeah this is what I need I don't know yet we're we're in in our particular situation I'm in uncharted waters for me and uh right now I can say is keep doing what you're doing And if we need something, we'll let you know. But he says, I want you to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, verse 13, and to esteem them. And my father, he always said, it says esteem, not steam. Don't hold them over steaming them in the water. But esteem them. We were discussing some things. I've never had this experience. <clears throat> but I think it was the first church he pastored, the second church he pastored. You know, to give an invitation, we've given them before and asked if the Lord spoke to anybody here for salvation, church membership, rededication, whatever it may be. And he had some folks coming forward and they got up front there and they told him everything he'd done wrong in their mind. And and I said, Oh, Dad. There's a lot of folks that don't esteem their pastor very highly in love for their work's sake. And and I mean this sincerely. Notice what it says. Verse 12, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Okay, there's there's lots of pastors in this world. Some true, some false. But the Bible says you're supposed to know and esteem the ones which labor among you. And are over you in the Lord. A lot of people, they think so highly of this celebrity preacher and this celebrity preacher and this one and that one, and they don't know their own preacher, their own pastor. So here they were murmuring against Moses, but they weren't murmuring against Moses, they were murmuring against the Lord. Because Moses was just following the Lord. And you observe here, they, they had a, a genuine complaint. Their complaint of what shall we drink was not, not an unnecessary one. They really had to get something to drink. It had been three days' journey in the wilderness. Whatever water they brought, I'm sure they were out of. They had elderly people, they had young people, they had mothers, they had fathers, there were children, there were babies, there were cattle, there were animals. Remember, they'd gone out to what? To sacrifice unto the Lord. Well, you can't take a dead animal and offer it unto the Lord. They were in need of water. And you know, the first place they they got to, there wasn't any water. And now they come to the next place and it's bitter. Why? Well, I, I just want to show here for... Those of you and I who are in positions of leadership, those of you who are husbands and mothers, those who will be husbands and mothers, those of you who are employees, employers, or anytime someone murmurs against you, because you don't have to be in a position of leadership for somebody to murmur against you, because you're going to have another co worker who's over you or next to you, and they'll complain about you. I wanted to show you what Moses did. Verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord. What did Moses do? He cried unto the Lord. Did he lash out against the people? He did not. Did he go to some of the people and say, well, brother or sister so-and-so is complaining about me? That would have caused further problems, wouldn't it? He cried unto the Lord. Now I want you to notice something before we go further. And that is, If you'll turn back to the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23, that God only leads beside still waters and in paths of righteousness. Psalm number 23, we reiterate... Verse 1 and 2 in particular. says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. I'm told that that means the waters of quietness. Well, these, the waters of Mara certainly weren't quiet because the people were murmuring. They, and that just means they were complaining. They were chiding against the leadership of the Lord through Moses. God always leads beside still waters. Some might say, well, how can you say that? Well, it's because... The reason we don't believe that we're beside still waters is because we don't walk by faith. We walk by sight. We're not trusting the Lord's leadership. And so when Israel came here to the place of Marah and the waters were bitter... All they did was use their five intellectual senses. You know, we got our five senses. But there's a God-given sense, and that's the sense of faith, if you would. See, there's not a person in this room who hasn't gone through something. Or maybe isn't going through something. And you say, boy, these are this is a difficult time. I'm really struggling. Well then, as the one man said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Moses cried unto the Lord, and you know what? That's the first thing. That's really what transitions us into walking by faith instead of by sight. I don't know what all Moses said unto the Lord, and it doesn't matter. The principle is, he cried unto the Lord. Perhaps it was, as there in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus came into Simon Peter's house, and his, his mother-in-law was sick with a fever, and it said, and on they tell him of her. Maybe it was just that simple that, that Moses said, Lord, we're three days in the wilderness, we had no water, we come here, and now the water's bitter and the people are murmuring. Might have been just a very simple prayer. Doesn't have to be complicated, does it? Prayer doesn't have to be flowery. Uh, uh, prayer doesn't even have to be in the language of the King James Bible. You know, sometimes we we start, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it, we don't have to be all King James in our prayers. Just tell the Lord. Like you're having a conversation with your friend. But don't forget, He's also God and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so Moses cried unto the Lord. That's really not what we do, is it? That's not our first instinct when we're in a Mara situation. Sometimes life is bitter, isn't it? Sometimes God leads us to a place of bitterness Everything you drink, everything you eat, every way you turn, it's bitter, bitter, bitter. A good question is, why didn't the people cry unto the Lord? Well, we could say the same thing of ourselves. Why don't we cry unto the Lord? So Moses cried unto the Lord. And I want you to observe here. It says, and the Lord showed him a tree. Why didn't he see the tree all by himself? I believe this tree is indicative, representative of Calvary, the tree of the cross. And Calvary is something that God must show people. They'll never see it on their own. He has to give them faith to see. He had to give me faith to see. If you're here and saved, He had to give you faith to see. And you that will yet be saved, He'll have to give you faith to see. He'll have to show it to you. See, the first thing He showed them was their condition. It's bitter. And your condition in sin is a bitter condition. That's all it is. And then He'll show you the remedy, which is Calvary. Oh, He'll show you Jesus high and lift it up in your stead. He'll show you Christ dying on the cross to pay for your sin debt. The very sin that you did was placed upon Him. He became sin for you. And the death that you deserved, the wrath of God being poured out upon you, Christ took every drop of it. And He gives you faith to see it, faith to believe it, and He'll save you. Now, the children of Israel had already been delivered through the waters of the Red Sea, delivered from the Egyptian army, delivered from Egyptian bondage. And the children of Israel come to this place and there are still many bitter experiences for the child of God when we don't walk by faith. The Bible says that the Lord showed him a tree. which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There's only one tree that will make your bitter experiences become sweet. And that's Calvary. Look, if you would, over to uh, Philippians. chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. You see, there's a lot of things that, you know, people look at children of God and they look at us as we're missing out. You know, y'all would be at the lake this weekend you will be getting drunk this weekend. That's what they think. They ought to celebrate, you know, this Memorial Day weekend of, of servicemen and women who laid down their lives or lost their lives by, you know, not being able to remember the weekend through the sin of drunkenness. And they said, oh boy, you're really missing out. Let me read to you here, Philippians 3, beginning at verse 4. I want to show you what the Apostle Paul thought of all the earthly advantages. And he had quite a few. He said, verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that, he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law of Blameless. And then notice what he says, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless... And I do count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul said that all the things, all the things, all the advantages of this life He said, I count them as dung. If you don't know what dung is, it's what you flush down the toilet. He said, that's what I count it as in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a tremendous statement, isn't it? And you know, until God shows you Calvary you'll never have that opinion. Paul didn't have it until the Lord showed him Christ. And you and I didn't have it. And then sometimes we have to be reminded of it. Now the Bible tells us that this experience that they were going through as children of God... God reminded them, He showed them a tree. He said, you take this tree and you put it into your bitter experience and you know what? It will become sweet. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to press on and hurry up here. We're going to start to draw to a close. There's a lot of experiences for the child of God that, humanly speaking, are bitter. But when viewed through the lens of Calvary, they'll become sweet. Paul here in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, uh, verse 23, he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. and labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Five times, he was whipped 39 times. And, and, and just so you, you get an understanding of this, when they whip you, it would rip the flesh open. And they they did it thirty-nine times. And that happened to him five different times. He said, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. You know, there's a time they left him for dead, he got up, and he went and preached the next day. Isn't that something? Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often and perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst. That had done some of us in right away. And fastings often. Oh, That had done some of us in too. And he wasn't fasting because he had a blood work the next morning either. In cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. That, That in and of itself is enough. He had the care of all the churches. But then I want you to look in chapter 12. Paul said the same thing in chapter 11, verse 30. He says, If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. And he comes into chapter 12 and he says in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What did he do? He took the bitter things that he suffered and he put in the cross of Christ and they became sweet. They became sweet to him. The Lord showed him a tree, didn't he? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Well, it starts at Calvary, doesn't it? I remember, and I'm I'm not going to make this about me, but I remember after they brought me to, and I was lying in the bed, and I I remember saying, well, people are going to ask me some questions about all of this, and I said, well, let me think about it. And I began to think and say, well, Thought about old Job. Lord giveth, Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thought about there where the prophet said that he's the potter and I'm the clay. Means he can do with me whatever he wants to. Thought about the Lord he's sovereign there in Isaiah 46 there is none beside me I thought about you know some of the things that Job also went through even more I said boy he, I got it better than Job my wife's right there by my bedside his wife said why don't you just curse God and die my kids came and saw me his were dead He lost his business. Church is supporting me. Still considered employed. Getting workman's comp. Lord providing. Amen. Had to laud and fentanyl. He had to scrape his boils with pot shards. And you're, you get over there to where Paul there and you say, well, His grace is sufficient. Get into Romans 9. Paul says, Who art thou that repliest against God? Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was, I mean, I just, people come in and, you know, anytime you lose a limb... You got to see a a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And they come in, and I just said, This is where I'm at. I I missed my right arm. I missed it. I was right handed. There's frustrating things. But I'm content. I, I, I wish I had it. Still, I, I, if I'd have picked, I'd have said, well, take the left one. Because I'm right-handed. So you left-handed people here, I don't know how you do it. But the reality is, is that Calvary makes bitter things become sweet. There were folks in that trauma center that don't, didn't know the Lord. And I remember my grandmother, she made the statement when, when uh, I can't remember if his grandpa passed away or her daughter passed away, my aunt. She said, I don't know how people who don't have the Lord go through this. Well, they don't go through it in the reality that you and I can go through it in. So whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, view it through the lens of Calvary. View it through the lens that you are saved and God in His providence has led you here and it is for your growth and His glory. What does it say in Romans 8.28? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So either it is or it isn't. Either it's for your good and His glory, or God's lying to you. And He cannot lie. Amen. So Israel here, and you and I, we get brought to the waters of Mara, and sometimes I think, well, what am I doing here again? Well, part of it is of not viewing things through the lens of Calvary. I didn't cast in the tree. Harvard is. I didn't. I'm here at the water of Mar again because the last ten times I didn't cast in the tree. God says you're gonna learn this lesson. You're gonna repeat this grade until you learn it. You're gonna do this math lesson again and again and again until you get it right. And yet at the same time, isn't He so gracious? And so I pray that if you're here and lost, you'll see Calvary. You're in a bitter experience. A bitter experience of sin. There is nothing good about sin. There's nothing that I can say and say, yeah, but but before the Lord saved me, this, this part was good. No. It's all bad. It's all bad it's all dung it's all dung nothing good so if you're hearing lost would you come to Christ would you would you would you cry out unto him and if you're saved we can have a better witness and testimony see you walk around oh me and I, I've done it I'll let you in on a secret. You've done it. All my life. It's so terrible. It's so hard. Oh, I just wish the Lord would come today. Because life is awful. Cast in that tree and make your water sweet. Well, let's close. Give you five, ten minutes. Intermission, and then we'll start up again.